Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Jedi Order. I am one of your hosts, Jay Larson, and joining me is my wonderful co-host, Patrick Whiting. Hello, Patrick. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jay? Uh, I'm I'm excited to do our first podcast. It feels like we've been doing a, a fair bit of prep work for this. Um, we, <laughs> we still have a fair bit of work before everything fully launches, but... Uh, I guess by the time people are listening to this, that'll all be done, and and hopefully this will be a enjoyable listen for everyone. So before we dive into the episode, I wanted to take a chance to introduce ourselves a little bit. I am Jay Larson. I have been a, a gamer all my life. I've been a miniature gamer for probably... 15 years, something like that. I I guess I did a uh, long time ago in high school. I bought some um, uh, what's some I bought some 40k models, um, and it was the Eldar. And I bought them, and then like a month later, there was an addition change, and all of my models were useless. <laughs> and so I was like, maybe this isn't the hobby for me. <laughs> and, and I, I put off miniature gaming. Um, and then I, I started, uh, a, a game store. I, I have Gameopolis here in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and I have discount games, Inc on the, the internet. And I ended up, um, getting back or trying, giving another shot to miniature gaming because there was a game called war machine that I was selling quite a bit of online. And I decided that I should, you know, give a try to this game that I was selling so much of. And that was, the rest was kind of history. I, I, I kind of discovered that one of the uh, attributes of my personality is that I don't, and this is, you know, probably a character flaw for a game <laughs> owner, but I don't really like learning new games very much. I would prefer to uh, have some games that I really enjoy and and play those games instead of like I have a lot of friends who are board gamers who their greatest joy is playing a new board game every week, and that sounds like one of my personal hells. I so. <laughs> But it, that works great for miniature gaming because it's very easy to uh, get focused in on a game and it has so much depth and variability that it's it's difficult to get tired of it. And uh, Patrick and I actually initially met at a War Machine tournament. We were paired uh, with <laughs> each other one round. Um, and uh, I, I guess... Patrick, I, I can take a pause on my introduction and let you uh, start introducing yourself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I can pick up right where where you left off with the with with that story before I <laughs> give a telling of my my background. Yeah, I I remember that game very well, where you single handedly removed every model of mine from the table. Um, it was I, was, most... I wasn't going to bring that up, <laughs> uh, but it's <laughs> it was such a thorough stomping. I I I will never forget. I will never forget. Um, but it was a great game. I I had a lot of fun, and and I mean, we became like long time and very close friends. So definitely worth the beating. Um, 
but um i mean i kind of like you i I, i've been a long time gamer uh i grew up playing games as a a lot of us have um uh, my first foray into miniature gaming was um mage night when whiz kids um first stepped onto the scene if, if memory serves and then shortly after that was the mech warrior click game um both of those games were kind of rubbish um in practice they're really cool um for uh for a younger kid but in practice they were um and i wouldn't say that (laughs) i wouldn't say that whiz kids is noted for their game balance sure yeah (laughs) i think that's that's safe to say (laughs) i think i think that is safe to say um not having any context ahead of that uh, i never i never grew up playing um uh warhammer um, I didn't get into that until much later, and even then, it was a short, just a short sort of adventure. Um, I've always been pretty fond of the skirmish style games. So, I mean, Mage Knight had a few models at a time. Mech Warrior had a few models at a time. Um, the really, the really, the, mo- the most fervent step, fervent, uh, the I'd say the biggest step I, I, I made into the the miniature scene was with Infinity Second Edition. Uh, I played that game as much as I could, and it was a great um, distraction from grad school. So I was working um, on my thesis while trying to understand Infinity. My brother got me <laughs> into into that game, and I really just dove headfirst uh, as far as I could. And uh, I ended up stopping that game. Uh, just it ended up being more of a of a frustration um, for me. And promptly pivoted into War Machine, which is where where we met. Um, and I've been just on a roller coaster of of different um, gaming excursions um, with all, all sorts of games. I I like I like games so much, so I will try just about anything. And I like <laughs> I do like learning new games. It's a it's a great it's just a great adventure of the mind for me. But I also like um, really getting to know a game intimately as well. Uh, and um, that's, I think, part of why uh, we're here um, speaking about Shatterpoint, so we can really, really sink our teeth into this thing. Yeah, and so I guess the, in my opinion, what as we've talked about this podcast and what we want it to be like, um, really, I, I think the... Um, in, in my opinion, the main thing that we want it to kind of be reminiscent of is kind of, you know, two friends that are in a game store chatting to each other about a game they love. Or or maybe they play a game and, and go out to eat together and, and have a conversation about the game afterwards, something like that. Um, and hopefully that will be something that's, that's entertaining to uh, the listeners. I, I don't think that it's necessarily going to, although we are going to have conversations about you know rules or new releases or trying to be better players um i don't necessarily think that we're wanting to have like a a hyper competitive focus on the the podcast instead at least in my opinion it's it's hopefully going to be more about um having fun with the game or what things we're enjoying or stuff like that yeah i think that's that's well said exactly all right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what our our thoughts were about this game heading 
up to its release. Um, I, I, I will say that, you know, as this old jaded game store owner who, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sent game solicitations just like inundated by them every, every day. It's, it's tough for me to have my dial moved in excitement for things that are coming out. Something has to really catch my attention. And I will say that some of the things that this game, in my opinion, had going for it that did kind of grab my attention. One was that, you know, I, I do, I am friends with a lot of the people who worked on the development of this game. And so that was something that was exciting for me. Um, I was excited also that, you know, I felt like Atomic Mass Games did a really good job with Marvel Crisis Protocol. And I never, I, but something else that I, I've, I came to recognize in myself and that was kind of a, a surprise to myself, honestly, was that I'm, I'm much more, the, the thematics of the game are much more important to me than I initially would have expected. And so I do enjoy Marvel and, and that helps me enjoy Marvel Crisis Protocol. But one of the things that's kind of funny to me is that, you know, I, Obviously, I, I was uh, a retailer when Star Wars Legion first launched, and I was a gamer. And that game never really sparked interest for me. And I think part of it was that with Star Wars, the parts of the Star Wars movies or the Star Wars shows that kind of sparked my attention was, or my interest or excitement was never really the you know like big battles that you see mm. um, on. You know, like, for example, the the prequels and in the in some of the clones doing some big battles that isn't nearly as exciting or interesting to me as, say, in episode one, when Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn are having uh, this kind of epic uh, struggle with each other. Um that's the part of Star Wars that's a lot more, when it comes to combat, it's a lot more interesting to me. And so, you know, Star Wars Legion, it never really sparked my interest, even though I, I do love Star Wars. And I think a lot of it was because of the scale or the scope that they decided to use with the game. And one of the things that I've been um, really happy with, with uh, Shatterpoint, is that it feels to me like it is kind of those... Uh, you know, really small uh, conflicts that you see in the movies. And it, and it does, in a lot of ways, feel like you're kind of recreating a scene that you would see in one of the movies. Um, and so that was another thing that um, had piqued my interest with it. But uh, to be honest, I, I didn't really um, put a lot of anticipation into it until... Like I guess kind of just a defensive mechanism that I have as a gamer <laughs> and a retailer is that I'm not going to get excited about something until it's close to release and then I'll start reading it, I'll start getting ready, et cetera. Um, but Patrick, what 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 about you? What was your experience uh, getting I, I know that your uh, psyche or psychology with gaming is quite a bit different than mine. So what was <laughs> your experience with with uh, the anticipation of Shatterpoint? Uh, oh, um, there are, there's a lot of things uh, for me that, that are 
similar for for you i think that marvel crisis protocol was just uh such an amazing introduction into the gaming foray i have thoroughly and still consistently enjoy playing that game and i suspect i'll be playing that game for many many years um with uh just a, a love for for marvel and i have a very similar uh love for for star wars too i i really enjoy um that that focus on and the, the character development and growth like like you were mentioning uh, and for me it's a a reason why although i did play legion often on uh, a bunch of times it, it just it, it failed to really grab the 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 thing uh, in in the gaming um experience that i really like and that's that's the close quarters uh, skirmish style uh, approach and i i just really 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 wanted a star wars game that was that was a skirmish style that that met all of, or checked all of the boxes for me amazing looking minis check uh great looking terrain that's easy to interact with check great looking tokens simple tools to use check check uh, i i'm not a diff- i'm not I'm, I'm not a a difficult person to please i guess when it comes to these games i am always excited to try something new and look for something new and with with the just the success of marvel i couldn't i couldn't not pay attention to to shatterpoint and every i i greedily hungered for for every little drop of news every little bit of spoiler any anything i could i could find i it was just continually driving the hype i had for the game and then with the with that Adepticon reveal, it was just overdrive. I think I was done. My goose was cooked as, as soon as <laughs> as soon as I saw all that stuff. I could not have been more pleased with just such a a great unveiling. Um, and I I really 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 there's a a bunch of characters that I I was really excited to see in Legion when I was playing that and and it's a different quality of game like you're saying it's 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 a larger battle game and. It's really fun. I'll play Legion again at some point. I just really, really like this zoomed in. Uh, it's almost a. Uh, it feels like a like a. I mean, it is a sword fight, right, with the lightsabers. But it feels like a sword fight. That the the whole thing, the the give and take, the the way, just and I I don't think I can wax poetic any more than than I have already. It's just it's. I'm so excited for this game. I'm I'm absolutely so excited for this game. I. I'm at a loss of words, frankly. <laughs> so as a retailer, one of the opportunities we had was that if we uh, ordered certain bundles of product, we could order a demo copy of the game that would ship to us May 1st, and then we would have that in preparation to do demos or show off stuff, etc., to build hype for the game um, for the launch on June 2nd. And so... I got my uh, core set demo that shipped to me on May 1st, and, and I immediately sent that off to my, my painter, and he was amazing and, and got it turned around really quick. And Patrick and I, I, I live in, in Idaho Falls, Idaho. He lives in Salt Lake City, Utah. And, you know, a couple, uh, when was it? It was the weekend of May 13th, I think. That I, that I went down to, to visit you. Is that correct, Patrick? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Yeah. So 
uh, I went down there and we we spent a weekend together playing um, the the game with each other. And the other the the way that this this is I guess interesting also the the way that our brains work differently. But you know I. I read the rules for the first time basically the night before <laughs> the trip. And then I listened to a uh, I, to Will Schick do a demo while I was driving down to Utah. And I mean, honestly, I, I didn't really pay much attention to the previews up to that point. I didn't know much about the game at all up to that point. Um, and and what was what was the how how did your experience differ from that patrick <laughs> i i think i watched those demos just over and over and over anytime somebody posted a demo on youtube i immediately watched it <laughs> as soon as the the rules went up i i think i read through those as as much as i could before they started to just glaze over in in my brain and i would set them down and pick them up i I'm I was I've been so excited so for this game. <laughs> so I, I just rehearsed over and over and over again the the rules. I, I I wanted to soak it all in and just breathe Shatterpoint for uh for that weekend. And one of so we had discussed a little bit heading into the weekend, um the possibility of doing a podcast together and, and one of my objectives mm-hmm. for the weekend was to go down, play the game with each other, and see if I liked the game well enough to devote all the time and energy that would be, you know, associated with doing a, a regular podcast. Um, and so there was, you know, I was excited for the weekend. It's it's always fun to get to spend, um, you know, a weekend gaming with you. Um, but I I think for most of the rest of the podcast this episode what we wanted to talk about was some of our uh, experiences with doing the that weekend of gaming some of our things that we got wrong or some of our thoughts from it and um and i, I guess let's let's dive into some of those things so yeah yeah so we've we've got uh kind of a, some bullet points here for us to cover on on things that people might have as common mistakes or uh, things that might be a little bit confusing the the first times that you play Star Wars Shatterpoint. Um, the first one that w- you put on the list, Patrick, was uh, the injured and the wounded tokens. So what was your thoughts on that one? Yeah, yeah. I ran into this um, in a, another demo, too, after we played. And to my, for me, intuitively, I look at the, and I, I don't think I'm alone in, in this, but to help set the the story straight... Um, the injured and wounded are, are maybe not intuitive for, or may not be intuitive for some people where the, the wounded token. So what happens when you take enough damage to, to be wounded, you meet your stamina cap, essentially. Um, the, the first token you're going to put on there for wounded is the little heartbeat monitor token inside. Um, the injured is the reverse where it looks like a little explosion. And in my mind's eye, it would be inverted where the explosion indicates that somebody has been wounded and the heartbeat would be where they've been injured, but they're still kicking. So that that's, that's the intuitive inference that uh, uh, I made, but it's not correct. 
So just to uh, double check or be clear that when when you receive your cap of, of damage, which side should be the one that you place down first? The heartbeat side. The heartbeat side. And then mm-hmm. when you um, draw your card again, that will flip over to the uh, explosion side. Correct. Okay. All right. So next one. This is this is one that we did did wrong. That so much. <laughs> it's uh, um, made a, a huge impact on our games. It turns out. Um, <laughs> but one of the one of the the just like core default very important rules that the game has is that you can't do two of the same action during your turn. And so un- unless you have, you know, a special rule that's saying like that you can do something to violate that rule, essentially. Like Asajj Ventress and her double jump. Yeah. Or um, uh, Ahsoka has her her ability where she can do an advance for one force point and then you could also spend an action to do an advance. Exactly. So uh, the way that we played it... On, on our weekend of gaming <laughs> was um, we we thought that each different movement type was a different action. And so, yes. for example, we would do an advance with our first action and then do a dash with your your second action. So you could move around the board really, um, really, really well, <laughs> it yeah. turned out. Um, a little too well. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess to uh, just just to clarify or to be, and, and maybe we're the only uh, people who are going to make this mistake, but just to be doubly clear, uh, when you do a dash or when you do a climb or you do an advance, those are all considered a move action, and you can only take one move action uh, in your activation, unless you have some other uh, special rule that's, that's saying otherwise, I, I do. Th- I guess real quick as a an interlude, I'm I'm curious, um, Patrick, on your thoughts on that rule because it is uh, very different from some of the other games where we've played, especially Marvel Crisis Protocol. It feels like one of the important rules or one of the important strategies for crisis protocol it feels like is trying to set yourself up where you can do like a a double attack on your activation and that's obviously something that uh, doesn't really exist in this game yes and so what uh what what's your thoughts on that rule or why they may have have added that uh so i i have a few um, and it is it, it is a bit of a let's I'm trying to think it, it going from Marvel to Shatterpoint it, both of them are trying to capture a, a type of dynamism and it is a bit of a bumpy adjustment going from Marvel's version of dynamism to Shatterpoint's version of dynamism and with Marvel being able to move move or attack attack or interact and, and throw terrain and throw characters. There is a, a, a lot of dynamism in that respect, but you can also just hunker down, stay in one spot, and and be good for a number of the different sort of crisis encounters. Uh, with this one, and 
excuse me, all of the all of the movement is pretty much during your your character's activation. In Shatterpoint, there is so much more out of activation movement than I am used to cut or or have been accustomed to. And picking that out and getting a really uh, a much better grasp of how it's employed changes changes how 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 the game feels and with the way that the the mission pack works too there's just a constant moving so if i i think if if to to play the game like we played it it would it would maybe take a little bit of the challenge out and it and it it takes away from the the very cool aspects of the out of activation movement and some of the synergies that happen. Uh, and I, I think that that is a big reason, um, at least with this final product that we're, we're, we're playing uh, why there's just the one move action. Cause there's so many more opportunities to, to go up and down and around and around. So let's, let's talk a little bit about elevation next since that is, um, something that you just mentioned. One of the things that I, as I said, I, I didn't do a ton of research on the game before um, we went to our weekend of gaming. And one of the things that I had heard, I think Schick say, or or one of the developers, was that they were definitely wanting it to, to be a game that was played on multiple layers and to have elevation be an important part of the game. Um, and so I'm curious how how well do you think they did in implementing that? I I think they did a great job with the abstraction. I I think it's it's simple enough, but it's also impactful. It's 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 kind of impressive in, to me how they were able to streamline what for a lot of games um, just really leave in sort of a clunky state. Being able to to just make a, a fluid motion of a climb and let your brain fill in all of the sort of cinematic uh, elements that would um, lead to somebody moving from point A to point B. I think they did a really, a really great job. Uh, and there is a little bit of a similarity uh, to move or when, when moving across the board to Marvel. I think that was the, one of the easier adaptations for me, since I, I mostly play Marvel, that that I didn't feel I, I I had to really work through. Maybe other people who have played other games that have maybe a little bit of a clunkier interaction with terrain in, in sort of three dimensional directions might might get a little bit of hung up on that at first. But I I, I personally I think they did a, a wonderful job. What about you? What do you think? I think the and this I guess this maybe goes to uh, some advice to to players with the game um and that would be i think that it's important to um when you're doing the setup for you to do a good job of of trying to put the objectives on different elevations yeah that's a good point and that you want to have a good variety of um of things on different elevations and i think that the in my opinion the part of the terrain rules that works the best is the part that or elevation rules, I should say is, is the part that's associated with how you control and, and, and contest uh, uh, scenario. And so, you know, first you check 
the number of models that are on the the same level as as the objective and then you start checking down and and it starts giving you the if you have the objectives on a bunch of different uh, terrain heights then it gives you the incentive as a player for your characters to be kind of moving all around and interacting at these different elevation points which i think is what makes the elevation dynamic and and fun and interesting and so i guess that would be my my biggest piece of advice for people that are starting to play the game would be don't don't i I would say that it's a trap for you to uh, try to have the scenario objectives all be on uh, mostly on the the same uh, elevations so yeah I i think that's a really great a really great point it's it removes if you did that it would remove one of the most interesting aspects of the game and, and that's with the with their approach to elevation i think that's really spot on another thing that i was a little i wasn't sure what i thought about with um in relation to elevation there was part of me that was expecting some sort of falling damage oh really yeah i mean there's there is kind of a especially like darth vader throwing terrain at people or throwing people down uh you know shoots that have no railing or (laughs) that's all very star warsy um but i mean i I can understand why they didn't do it and it's it probably does make for a better game i i agree and i think if they have falling damage uh, i think i remember hearing schick say this um it really it really removes any kind of incentive to interact with that with that terrain on an elevated sense. Um, yeah. But thematically too, I mean, how many people fell down shoots and then just simply didn't die? We've got right, like Skywalker. Yeah. yeah, got yeah. The Darth Maul who got cut in half and fell down a shoot. Um, so I, I think if you fell down 10 or 12 feet in this universe, you're probably fine. Probably fine. Totally. Yeah. All right. So next bullet point we have is line of sight. So, what are what are your thoughts on the line of sight rules so far for for Shatterpoint? I think they're pretty they're pretty intuitive. Um, I'm I'm just happy to play a game where true line of sight isn't a part of it. I I think true line of sight can die in a fire. Um, so that's my first thought. The second thought is it's they they classify terrain in a, just a pretty simple set of ways. Um, and I, I I think it's pretty intuitive if you can if essentially if you follow the the different criteria whether or not it's see through or 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 clear uh, whether or not you can move through it um, and then the opposites of those things they they make it pretty pretty easy to understand maybe the difficulty I think some people might have is um, when you've got characters uh, attacking each other on different elevations and the person at the higher elevation you you may especially if you're coming from a true line of sight world you may think well i obviously they can't see me so there's there's a little bit of an abstraction there that you have to get on board with but i i I think it's a pretty easy system and it it works pretty fluidly i kind of i i kind of felt like i'm I'm curious if you feel like this is a fair characterization Hmm. but i kind of felt like the designers took the frame of mind of we don't want to 
spend a lot of time or a lot of uh we we want our line of sight system to be very simple mm-hmm. and we don't want the game to be focusing on figuring out line of sight yeah and do you do you think that that's an accurate characterization yeah i i do and i think it's it's it for the for for people who have played marvel and are thinking um about moving to shatterpoint or not moving to but um i hope just adding shatterpoint to their gaming repertoire but uh i i think it's kind of it's a lot like marvel where the there's sort of a simplification to line of sight in order to make it be impactful but not a main a main component or aspect of the play there's nothing that i've experienced um worse i think i i don't know most of my most of the worst experiences as i've ever had in wargaming almost always revolved around line of sight and it, it just really takes a lot of the excitement and a lot of the uh flow of the game just it just kills it um when when you have to argue and debate and go back and forth right on site so yeah i i would agree with your assessment yeah it, <laughs> so uh, i was talking to my my sales rep today about and there was a a game that he was describing to me and he said that it is a board game where it is about trying to take pictures of wildlife and it's kind of he's like and it's kind of a miniatures game because a lot of it is like trying to do line of sight uh, to from like you taking the picture to the the wildlife that you're trying to take the picture of. And, you know, I, I kind of had a laugh or joke about it because I was like, oh, yeah, line of sight rules. Those are famously like, you know, the most saying this sarcastically, uh, <laughs> you know, the most fun and most well done uh, parts of any minis game is the line of sight rules. And so um, I do think it was probably a wise decision to just be like, you know what, we're going to have this not be the focus of our game. We're going to have it be fairly uh, simple and speedy and let's, let's move on to parts of the game that actually are fun. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And it, it makes it, it works. I think it works. I think it's great. And, and it's, it's really easy to focus on all the, the more interesting things. I agreed. All right. So next thing that we got wrong uh, yes. is, yes. Uh, activating abilities once per turn. So, uh, Patrick, why don't you give <laughs> us some info on this one? Yeah, yeah. So the the first several pass-throughs I did of the the book and trying to absorb as much of it as I could, uh, as quickly as I could, I definitely missed uh, a couple of important components. And I had read or interpreted what I read as you could do one active ability per turn and that felt real bad uh, <laughs> and you were so the first two games that we played you had darth maul and yeah. massage yeah and darth maul is super super sad <laughs> yeah <they're... laughs> if he does not get to use <laughs> if he only uses one activated ability a turn or especially if if the situation presents itself when being able to use both of them would be ideal and having to pick between the two uh, feels just soul crushing. All right. So the way that just to reiterate the way that a rule should work is, is what exactly? Uh, you can use each active ability 
once. So instead of just picking between all of the active abilities you might have, you can use all of them, but they can only be used once, with a few exceptions like Asajj Ventress, who can jump twice. And I think that's also the case for the uh, Padawan Ahsoka Tano. She can also jump twice. All right. All right. So next commonly mistaken rule, uh, Patrick, this one is when a character gets damage and is now has a number of wounds on it equal to that stat. What what should happen after that? Yes, I think this is a really unique part of of the game. It's similar to Marvel, but also really different than Marvel. Uh, if you have a number of wounded or injured tokens equal to the durability of the character, so that's the the smaller of the two numbers uh, most often, you leave it on the board until after its final activation. So if it has a durability of two and it has two wounded uh, tokens on it, uh, it's not removed from the board. There's a, a natural inclination to remove it from the board, but they're not they're not completely down and out just yet. They'll get to They'll get to go uh, one more time before they're removed. Uh, so I do have a question with that. Let's say that uh, let, let's say that my Darth Maul is he 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 gets his his final wound. I draw his card. He activates one more time. Uh, will he score an objective at the end of that turn, or or when in the turn exactly is he uh, taken off the table? Yeah, I think um, the last time I played it, we played it uh, as though they would get to score, uh, as far as I understand, they would get to score one more time. And then at the end of of the essentially the activation and flipping that, that point over, then they are then they're taken off the board. So they could they, they have one more chance to effectively exist on the play space in all of its glory and then once once that's done they breathe their last breath or or so we think until the next game all right so next one to uh go over this this was kind of a a funny one that we did wrong um but in this mission pack uh in in phase two and three there is a a priority objective token Mm-hmm. And, there's, and you have you have two of them in your kit. Yes. And so we thought that each side had their own uh, priority objective token, and that in in phase two and three, uh, you roll the defensive die, and that token goes in um, on a particular objective. And when you're scoring that one, you get two points instead of one on that one. And we we thought that in the, the way that it's supposed to play is you have one priority token that's out on the table. Uh, the way that we played it was that two of the three um, priority objective tokens were, were on the table. And so it, it was kind of funny between uh, being able to do two different move actions uh, <laughs> on a turn and then also having two priority objective tokens. I think our, our games were over quite a bit earlier than is uh the norm for yeah. Yeah. shatterpoint yeah. when you're playing it with <laughs> the correct rules <laughs> yeah it it felt felt a little bit our, our version of shatterpoint for the weekend felt kind of uh, a bit like whack-a-mole where it was just moving moving around and maybe we weren't 
interacting as much uh, as we could have with at least with our own characters um it all sort of coalesced into this uh real fast the first i think our first struggle for the mission pack took the longest and then we switched gears into struggles two and three and those ended real real fast yeah 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 all right so a next rule that i think is fairly easy to overlook it's i think it's just like one short sentence in the rule book but if let's say that i've got the disarm uh ability on you Mm -hmm. already and then disarm comes up again in my uh in my stance as i'm applying damage uh when that happens the character takes one additional damage they don't obviously they don't get disarmed twice um right but also it's not an instance where nothing happens the thing that happens instead is they they take a point of damage yep yep it's uh it's i think it's in the condition section yeah it's just one sentence at the top and yeah, if you if you get a second instance of the same condition, you get damaged instead. It's kind of it's kind of cool actually. I think it's cool. All right, so uh, let's let's go on to our next bullet point. Um, this this was something that took a while for me to wrap my head around. I I had played quite a bit of Marvel Crisis Protocol, and in that game, when you when a character, they, the character has two sides. They have their healthy side and their wounded side. And when a character uh, takes enough, enough damage on their first size side, they become dazed. And really, they um, they don't. There's very few things that can affect a character when they're dazed. Um, and that's and and there was part of me that had that mindset with Shatterpoint, but I, I think that that's probably a, a poor mindset to have with um with this game and the reason i say that is that the the main thing that when you're wounded that you don't do or can't do is that you're not going to uh be contesting or, or scoring object objectives and, and scenario stuff at the end of the turn um but you there's there are other things that you can do like um if i if my captain rex uh, I activate him and do like a start of the turn ability. I could move one of my wounded uh, clone troopers and that would be fine. Or, or if I activate my secondary unit of droids, uh, I could, they could potentially still order an attack from one of the, the droids that uh, is, is currently wounded. So Patrick, I guess, what are, what are some of your thoughts on, on that topic or that? that rule yeah like you it, it was a bit of a uh, of a of a jump it wasn't i was sort of intuiting like you that it would be a little bit more like marvel where they're wounded they're essentially dazed and i'm just sort of they're just going to languish where they're at and that is very much not the case the only things yeah as you pointed out the only things that they don't really do while they're uh, wounded is the yeah they don't contest for the purposes of scoring objectives and they they also can't take any extra damage otherwise they can continue to be interacted with uh they can get or gain more conditions uh, be interacted with they can benefit from other abilities like on on captain on captain rex other and otherwise they can they're still 
contributing members of the game uh, as long as there's something that 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 moves them or or there's a trigger to to explore uh, and I was I'm really into it I think it's a it's, it feels really really great uh, when when you may only activate a character you know maybe three three times throughout the game but they're always feeling like they're a part of it with all of these uh, out of activation abilities and it took a little while to really get adjusted to that. Yeah. All right. So I just have one more thing to uh, go over that, that I think a lot, I've, I've noticed this in demos or, and, and potentially in, in stuff I've done as well. Um, but a lot of people are really quick to, they, they are doing an attack and they calculate how many total successes they have. And they'll look at their chart and they'll be like, okay, I'm going to have enough damage to uh, wound your character and a lot of times they kind of just have an inclination to stop at that point and i think that it's really important for them obviously to uh fully go through and uh fully resolve the attack and so you know whether that is uh this this especially can be really strong versus uh a character if, if you're able to get a bunch of different conditions on them they'll mm-hmm. remove one of them when uh when they draw their card and they remove their damage but you know if it's i've seen a lot of times where you could end up getting you know three or four conditions on a character and mm-hmm. they're going to be in a real sad shape when, <laughs> when you yeah. do that uh you know the other the other thing obviously is you know, pushing around the character or you doing jumps, stuff like that. Uh, I would just say, be, be mindful that you want to, uh, go, go through that full attack phase, even if you have the inclination that you might not, uh, think of doing that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's important to be thorough and repetitive with this game. It's, it's easy to take the shortcuts. And, and I think if you do that, you may be missing out on a, kind of a lot of things frankly yeah yeah all right well that is going to be the the first main episode of the the jedi's order uh we our plan is to roughly have each main episode be around somewhere between 40 to 50 minutes then we will have a bonus episode that is going to be for people that are supporting the uh premium podcast subscription and that'll usually be around 15 to 20 minutes the first bonus first one maybe a few i don't know uh bonus episodes are going to be free for everyone to test out and see what they think of them um but that is basically going to wrap things up for our first uh main episode by the time this is live we should hopefully have a discord that's active for people who uh, support the the premium subscription for the podcast. Um, I think I'll hopefully also have talked uh, Patrick into doing some of the setting up some of the social media stuff <laughs> for the for the podcast as well. Um, but Patrick, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Oh, I'm just excited to play many many more games of Shatterpoint uh, as soon as as. Well, uh, by the time we are recording this, just a few, few, couple days away, I'm very excited. Yeah. Awesome. All right. 
uh, as always, we're we're interested in any feedback that, that people have. And so if you have any thoughts on the podcast, go ahead and, and send them to us. And uh, the the best way to get a hold of me is my email, uh, jay at discountgamesinc.com. Um, and of course, check out discountgamesinc.com for your gaming needs and especially your Shatterpoint needs. We uh, obviously are going to be carrying the full product line and would love to uh, supply your your gaming needs. All right, so with that said, thank you for listening, and uh, stay tuned next week for our next episode. We'll see you later.